Cinderella. 19 years old, 5 foot 7 inches. Her shoe size is 3.5, but you don't want to make fun of her tiny feet. Known for being a hard worker, she has a pure heart, but serious attitude. Special skills include singing, speaking to animals, and the ability to hock a loogie a distance of 40 yards. Trained in the art of medieval combat, Cinderella has been known to use anything as a weapon, including her glass slipper. She has the ability to put an evil stepsister into a coma in two seconds flat, but chooses not to, out of love and a sense of civic duty. Cinderella has a heart of gold, but what is she scary? Okay, uh, you get that this service is packed out, right? Uh, so here's what I need to ask you to consider. We already mentioned it earlier, Aaron said something about it, but uh, we need you to consider, if you can, moving off of this service. Uh, we've, got, we've got 22 months till, this, till we can expand this building, and we've got to find room uh, between now and then. And there are some of us in the room, uh, you don't have choices because your kids happen to be in a certain uh, student program, and so this is the hour that works. There's some of us in the room, uh, you've been going to an adult small church, and this is the only hour that works. But there are some of us in this room who we have the ability to make decision, and we have the ability to move off to other services. So there's a tiny bit of room at 9 o'clock. There's a tiny bit of room at 11.55. If you are smart and are the first ones to move, you could steal those seats and then someone else has to go to 7.45 and 5 o'clock. Okay? But guys, we got 22 months to navigate before we're going to have more seats in the room. We're running six to 700 people every Sunday more than we did this time last year, which is cool. Yeah. But we got 22 months to navigate. So I, uh, w this service is probably one of the most packed services. So we're just saying, please, 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 whatever you can do to help us. And I'm just going to tell you, you, this service is probably going to hear us say this over and over and over again because this is the service that visitors come to. And when you and I hold the chair, our guests are the ones that have to sit in overflow or be somewhere else and don't have the same experience. Your chair in this service is a big deal. So if you can, whatever you can do to help us out, please help us out. Please make that move for the next 22 months, then we'll have more seats. All right, so I just want to start off by saying uh, welcome to Santan and to Scottsdale. So thrilled uh, to have you guys being part of this service together. We're in a series called Into the Woods. And what we've said together is that it's possible to be in the woods in all sorts of areas of our lives. It's possible to be in the woods uh, in our career and just to be at a moment we go, this is not what I planned. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to always be doing this. I'm not sure how I got into the woods with my profession. Uh, it's possible to be in the woods in your relationships and go, I, I just don't get, every relationship just seems to end in disaster. There's all sorts of wound and heartache. I, I don't get why this is so hard. I'm just in the woods relationally. Some of us are in the woods spiritually. You go, I, I, I don't remember when God got so far away. I, I don't remember when my prayers began to bounce off the ceiling. I, I just don't know. But I know I'm in the woods spiritually. Uh, when we've been having this conversation, though, the last few weeks, we've kind of narrowed that topic down and talked about this idea of being in the woods financially. And, and here's the deal. Uh, if the stats in this room hold up like they do across America, 
then over half of us, stats were tells, are in the woods financially. Matter of fact, I just uh, heard of a report that came out, I think it was on CNN this last week, that said 40% of Americans are on the verge of bankruptcy. Now, guys, this is a huge topic. And, and look, some of you are going, whoa, 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 if I'd known we were talking about finances, I'm not sure I would have showed up today. <laughs> uh, this is not a conversation about trying to get something from you. This is a conversation about trying to get something for you. Because here, here's what I'm thinking. If I can help you get out of the woods, if we can explore biblical principles and suddenly this helps you navigate this part of your life more effectively, then it's going to be that much easier for you to be generous. It's going to be that much easier for you to obey God and His commands in the financial part of your life. So, so my hope is, as we spend time together, is to help you and I discover biblical principles that literally lead us out of the woods so that this conversation stops being all sorts of pressure and all sorts of tension in our lives. Now, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that I've, I've been pushing uh, that you do budgets, that you take the time to write down where your money's going, because here's the answer. Every single dollar that touches your hand, you will put a name on it. You will send it somewhere. The problem is, is that most of us have never planned where we were going to send it, and so it goes out capriciously. It goes out uh, spontaneously, and then we get to the end of the month, and we go, I, I have no idea where all those dollars went, and so we've been pushing you and encouraging you to do a budget. And as we know, uh, Lisa and I uh, sat down, even though we had a budget, we sat down and did this together. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do, and so we were sitting down together and doing the budget. And if you remember last week, I said, look, look at how many places on your budget where you have your money going that you can put an E next to it, that you can say those dollars had eternal value, something, something that mattered for the kingdom, something that honored Jesus Christ came out of those dollars being trusted to my hands, and I can put an E next to it. So Lisa and I are doing this last week. This, this will just give you an idea of how genius my wife is. We're sitting there, we're going through the list, trying to find out how many E's we had, and we got to, you ready? Manicures and pedicures. <laughs> and, and my wife, in that moment, you know, she's feeling a little uh, self-conscious and a little bit guilty, and uh, suddenly she rocks back in her chair, her eyes brighten, and she says, Linda, Linda, Linda. If I were to invite someone to go with me, and while we were there, I talked to them about church and the Lord, it could have an E. We need to double that line item. So, okay, so here I, I'm just going to encourage you to be, to do, the, let's be honest, just for a moment, say, Honestly, how many of you have actually gone home, you did it, you did it, you did the exercise, you did the budget? Be honest, come on. How many of you did it? Okay, two of us, great. So we are on the right track. This is landing so, okay, look, 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 look. Okay, I'm gonna be hard on you right now. Guys, if you and I are serious about getting out of the woods, and even if you think you're only a little ways into the woods, it is impossible to figure the way out if you don't know where you're starting from. Hence the budget. And I'm just going to tell you that you're going to be so unprepared to apply these principles to your life. You're going to, if, if we don't do this, guys, if we don't do this, 12 months from now, you and I are going to be in the same place then that we are now. And we're going to be wondering, 
How come and where did and why? So I'm just going to push into you one more time and say, please, 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 before we come back next week, do the budget. If you've done, if, if you haven't done a budget in the last 12 months, I'm going to push into you, do a budget. And guys will go, this, this isn't, this isn't like income tax. It's not going to take you eight hours to do this. It's going to take you about an hour. It's going to take you an hour and a half. But it has the power to literally change the conversation and to be hugely helpful in your life. Don't miss this out of laziness. Get it done. Okay, so here's what I do. If, if, if you need another budget sheet, in other words, you already took the one we gave you, you made a paper airplane out of it, it's gone. It's gone. You don't have one sitting at home that you can go back and refer to. If you need another budget sheet, raise your hand. We're going to get you a budget sheet right now. Come on, raise it up. I need another budget sheet. I gave it to my kids. They colored on it. My dog ate it. I need another budget sheet. Okay, so do that. Okay, so while you keep your hands up, they're going to get them to you. It, if, if you somehow get home and don't have it, if you'll go to cornerstoneonline.com and then in the search bar, just put budget, we've got an online one that'll come up for you. Let me tell you, let me tell you how cool this has been in our home, okay? So Lisa has always been collaborative with me. Lisa's always been cooperative with me when it comes to the budget. But for the last few years, I've been the primary manager of the budget in our home. And honestly, there have been moments where Lisa's looked and said, Lynn, I just don't get it. If we've got that income, how come, you know, how come you're telling us we need to be that tight? And how come we, you know, we don't have more? We sat down and did the budget together. And all of a sudden, my wife, who's been collaborative and cooperative, saw where the dollars were, saw where we were putting the names on, and suddenly moved from being cooperative and collaborative to being enthusiastic. She's actually more rapid about this than I am, and she's actually coming back and saying, hey, what if, and how about, and what if we saved a little here, and what if we directed a little bit there? How much more powerful would that be? And I'm telling you, this has been life-changing for Lisa and me, and it's caused us to be so much more strategic. And guys, I'm just going to say to you, if you have any tension whatsoever in your marriage over finances, I'll bet you a dollar you haven't sat down and done this budget together. You haven't done it. And she doesn't know, he doesn't know, she doesn't understand, he doesn't understand. We haven't agreed. You could, you could take all that tension out with this hour and a half exercise. Okay, so I'm just pushing you. Do it. Now, here's the deal. Next week, Next week, we're going to come back together. I'm going to give you four super practical steps. As a matter of fact, some of you are going to go, man, I didn't know if that was a sermon. It's going to be four super practical steps that we're literally, you ready for this? We're going to build a path out of the woods. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to put in place four practices that are literally going to transform this discussion for you. And you will be in an unbelievably different place a year from now if you'll do those four steps. It'll change everything. You'll be out of the woods. So you just don't want to miss next week. You want to be part of that. It's probably the most crucial uh, conversation we're going to have through the whole time. So be here. Have your budget done. Okay? All right. So when you came in, uh, when you came in, uh, we tried to give everybody one of these. It's a compass. How many, you guys, how many got them? Okay. If you didn't get one, when we get done with the service, we're going to have them at each of the doorways. You're going to want one, I think, when the service gets done. Okay, but here's the conversation we're going to have. If you're in the woods, if you're in the woods, one of the most powerful things that can happen is if you can figure out north. Because if I can figure out north, then all of a sudden everything else gets into right perspective. 
If I can figure out north and I know that the town is to my west, I suddenly can begin with confidence to move in the right direction. Jesus is going to have a conversation with you and me today, and and here's what he's going to say to you and me. Up until today, you've had the wrong north. See, your compass was off, and and where you thought you needed to head and the direction you thought was going to take you where you wanted to go wasn't north. And Jesus, you ready for this? Jesus is going to establish a new north for us. A new set of values, a new set of understanding that as you and I come to this conversation about finances, we're going to run that question through a brand new grid that's going to reest and just going to change the entire conversation. It is a new north for many of us. Here's what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to say, hey, look, your life is an awful lot like playing a game of Monopoly. That at the beginning of your life, I'm going to hand you the box, and what you do with it is going to be huge. See, Jesus would say, I'm going I'm to set you up to actually play the game. And when I do that, I'm going I'm to give you the resources that you have the ability to work with. I'm going to give you whatever talents you're going to have, whether you're going to be good at math or whether you're going to be a natural born leader or whether you're going to have musical skills. I'm going to give you those talents to play the game with. And, and I'm also, I'm going to give you time. See, some of us are going to live 30 years. Some of us are going to live 40. Some are going to have 50. Some are going to have 90 and Jesus said, I, I, I'm going I'm to give you a, a deck of time in which to manage and play the game. And then I'm going to give you the financial resources. So whatever that is, whatever your incomes are going to be, whatever, whatever finances are going to be entrusted to you over the course of your lifetime, I'm going I'm to establish that. I'm going to set that up. And how you play this game is huge. But here's what Jesus is going to say to us. If you play this game the way that your neighbors play this game, if you play this game the way many of our parents played this game, if you play this game the way that advertisers on TV tell you to play this game, you're gonna lose. Because, you ready for this? Because when you're done, when you're done, it all goes back in the box. You don't get to keep any of it. And and what your friends believe and what your neighbors think is this, that the way to win the game is to acquire the most properties, to get the most money. He with the biggest pile at the end wins. But here's the problem, Jesus says. You don't get to keep it. It all goes back in the box. The score goes back to zero when you're done. And Jesus is going to, wait for this, Jesus is going to shift our understanding and say, it's not about how much you acquire, it's about how you played the game when you were playing. See, most of us come to the game thinking we're owners, and that it's all about us, and it's how much we can possibly get, and Jesus is going to set a new north. 
Grab your Bibles. So Matthew chapter 25. If you're not familiar, Matthew is, uh, you go to the back of your Bible, you begin to work to the left, you're going to find this book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. It's, it's an interesting moment because here's what you need to know. Jesus is getting to the end of his life. He's getting to the end of his ministry. And he's literally setting you and I up. He's saying, look, 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 I'm getting ready to leave. It's all going to be up to you now. And this is how I need you to behave. This is how I need you to live until I come back. And I'm going to establish a new north for you. If you live, if you live like your friends live, if you live like everybody else in culture lives, you're going to end up with the same disappointment and regret. But follow me because there's a new north out of the woods. Okay? It's Matthew chapter 25. Starting in verse 1, here's what it says. This is Jesus. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. No, no. Don't miss this moment. When any time you see in scripture where Jesus says the kingdom is like, what he's doing in that moment is he's saying to you, whoa, 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 whoa. I know, I know that what I'm about to say is not intuitive to you. I know that what I'm about to say is not what your neighbors do. I know that. I'm just telling you that what they do What they do with the game loses the game. But the kingdom, real wisdom, real success in life is played different than your friends. And so anytime Jesus says to you and me, the kingdom of God is like you and I need to stop in that moment, check all of our preconceived ideas at the door and listen because he's about to tell us what we don't understand. The kingdom is like. Now jump down to verse 14. And again, Jesus said, it will be like, the kingdom will be like, you ready? A man going on a journey who called his servants and, next word, Okay, I'm just telling you, Scottsdale got this right. Scottsdale did not pause. And Chandler, you're just a little slow right now, okay? So I'm going to give you one more try. Ready? And, and again, uh, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted. So you get the moment. Here's a wealthy man. He's getting ready to go on a journey. He's got all of the affairs of his household that he's leaving behind. And he chooses in the moment. Ready? to entrust them to his servants. He's saying, look, I'm going I'm to hand this over to you to manage on my behalf. And I'm hoping, here's my expectation, that you'll do something remarkable with what I just gave you. Play this game, ready? Play with what I just gave you really, really well. Because I'm, you ready? I'm trusting you with this moment. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his wealth. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags of gold, and to another, one bag of gold, each according to his ability. Now, 
Some of you that have older translations, it doesn't say bag of gold. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, to another he gave one talent. And it's really unfortunate, if you ask me, that, that we've changed this in our more modern translations. Because look, look, here's what you get to get. The word talent, when this is originally written, is a denomination of money. It's not talent like you and I think of talent. It's a type of money. So in other words, it'd be equal to someone saying, he gave to one $5 million, and to one he gave $2 million, and to another one he gave $1 million. It's a denomination of money. You and I changed the word talent from a denomination of money to an ability. Here's why. Christians reading this passage and realizing that what Jesus was teaching, hey, this goes beyond money. That, that when Jesus says, hey, he gave one man five talents, he was really saying not just the financial resources, he gave him abilities. He gave him time. And so early Christians would walk over to other Christians and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Your ability to sing, that's a talent from God. No, 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 no. Your gift of leadership, that's a talent. And you realize Christians changed the meaning of that word, understanding that what God was teaching this moment is that God has given to you and me a trust of every bit of our time, every bit of our talent, oh yeah, and our financial resources. Back to the passage. Each according to his ability, verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five more bags of gold. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. This, this is a critical moment in the conversation. When it says the man who got five bags of gold took his money, who does his refer to? So when the master gave him the five bags of gold, did ownership transfer? In other words, did the master stop owning the five bags of gold and now the servant owns the five bags? Is it his gold? Or is it saying in this passage, no, 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 no. The master entrusted his gold, the master's gold, to the servant. Because, well, go, 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 go. How you answer that, how you answer whose gold it is, has huge ramifications. Because if you believe that when God gave you that talent and that time and your financial ability, and when he gave that to you, that ownership transferred and now it's yours, well, then you're an owner. You're no different than your neighbor. You're no different than your friends. You're, you're going to play the game as an owner. But if you believe at the end of the day that when the master gave those five bags of gold to the servant, he still retained ownership and the servant was simply made a manager, then you're going to play the game completely different. You're going to go, no, 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 no. When God gave me that time, when God gave me these capacities and abilities, when God gave me these financial resources, Ownership never transferred. 
He simply gave it to me to manage, hoping that I would do something remarkable with what he had entrusted to me as I played the game of life. That's a big deal. Back to the passage. Verse 17. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag of gold went off, (laughs) dug a hole in the ground, and hid whose money? The master's money. The master's money. See, I, here's what I'm going to As much as you and I resist it and as much as you and I struggle with it, I think you and I intuitively know it was always the master's. It was always his. Ownership never actually transferred. And here, here's why I say that. Get you and me into a moment of crisis, and I guarantee you we figure out ownership real quick. Go to the funeral of a 10-year-old. And we weep and we mourn what seems so unfair. And what's the question everyone asks at the funeral of a 10-year-old? Why? Why? Why didn't God give him more time? Because, 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 here's what you and I intuitively know, that every single day you and I live ultimately came from him. And for some reason, God seems to have given him less. You and I also intuitively know that every one of our capacities and talents came from him. Michael Jordan didn't make his talents. God made his talents. Whatever financial capacity you have, I guarantee you ultimately know, if you'll be honest about it. Because I guarantee, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you lose all your money, what's the first thing you do? Dear God. (laughs) So you know the source. You and I intuitively know this, okay? Verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought uh, the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. Watch this. Watch the response. Well done, his master replied. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Watch, watch. I will put you in charge of many things. You already had a bunch. You had five, and now you got five more. I'm going to put you in charge of even more. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of more. Come and share your master's happiness. Now watch the third sermon. Then a man who had been received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew, I knew you were a hard man, Uh, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered. So, So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, 
Here's what belongs to you. I'll give it back. You get that this servant has no concept of being trusted. He has, he, has no, he has no appreciation for the fact that he's been given an amazing moment and God was giving him the opportunity to do something remarkable. And instead, he squanders the moment and goes, look, I, I knew you had some demands. I knew you were hoping. I knew, I knew you had some. I went. I buried it. Here it is back. I wonder in the heart of God, what would qualify for burying my gold, my talent? I wonder if taking whatever God had given you and me and using it all on myself would qualify as burying it. See, here it is. Here's everything you gave me. Have it back. I used it all for me. Back to the passage. His master replied, uh, you wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and I gather where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with bankers, so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. I mean, you could have done at least the most nominal thing. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who already has 10 bags, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have it in abundance, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from them, and throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Guys, 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 get the moment. The servants who get this right, the ones who understand the moment, here's what they get right. Ownership never transferred. I never was an owner. This was never for me. My opportunity was to take what God placed in my hand and manage it on his behalf. Because, because, because the way to win the game is not how much I end up with at the end, it's how I manage it in the game. So here's what I do. I just want us to consider today, to, to ask the question, what do managers know that owners overlook? What is it that a manager understands that owners never consider? Because owners are pretty sure everything's for them, and managers understand everything's for him. So here we go, three things. Three things to consider. Here, here's what managers do. Managers wonder, why did God give me so much? What, why did God place so much into my hands? And guys, 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 we, we've already had this talk. You realize that if your household income, if your combined income between you and your spouse is $75,000 a year, you are in the 1% richest people in the world. How come God gave you so much? Do you, do you realize that, that if your combined household income is $48,000, if I remember, that puts you in the top 2% out of 8.6 billion, no, 6.8 billion people in the world, you're in the top 1% or 2% in wealth. Let me ask you a question. How come you weren't born in India? How come? 
Ladies, how come when service is over today, you're not going to go out and try to scavenge for firewood so that you can cook your family's meal? Men, how come tomorrow morning you're not going to get up and go work in the field for pennies so that you can come home and hope you have enough rice to feed your family tomorrow? Why did God have you born in America with so much opportunity and so much resource? Because he loves you more? Or is it because he was hoping for more when he trusted you? We got a gentleman on staff, and some probably would know or not know him. His name's Ray Barry. He's, he's actually the head of production uh, here at the church. He's the head of all of our events. You've probably seen him up on stage doing announcements every once in a while. When we first hired Ray, one of the first things that I did is I said, Ray, look, I think we need to do a harvest festival. Uh, we used to do this. We've kind of gotten away from doing it. Here's why I think it's important. I want our community to just get a hug from us. I want them to be able to come on this campus and not feel like we're trying to get anything from them. And, and that maybe they would meet some of us and they'd go, you know what, Christians are really not that weird. You know, they don't have bald heads and wear togas and sell carnations at the airport. They're not that bad. And I said, look, I just think it's a moment to touch the hearts, to be Jesus to our community and, and to give something that is unexpected. And so Ray said to me, okay, Lynn, well, if we're going to do this, I mean, what, what does a successful harvest festival look like? And I said, look, I, I just think there's got to be rides. I think people have got to come by on the, on the road, and they've got to see lights and stuff moving. I want it to be inviting with their kids to go, boy, we need to go. I think, I think there needs to be plenty of candy. I just think we need to have so much candy that kids all go home with their bags full. I think we need to set our people up to be gracious and to be Jesus to those people when they come on our site. And if we could do that, that would be such a win for Harvest Festival. Can I tell you that Ray took those things that I asked him to do, and then he added like four more cool things to Harvest Festival. We got done with that first. It was remarkable. You know what I knew? I knew I could trust Ray with more. The last time God put something in your hand, did God learn that he could trust you with more or that he needed to trust you with less? Because, 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 right? Because managers ask this question, I wonder why God gave me so much and I wonder what God was hoping I would do with what he just trusted me with. It's the question of a manager. And I'm just gonna say this out loud. If you've never asked that question, if you've never said, man, I wonder why God gave me so much and I, I wonder what he was hoping I would do with what he gave me, if you've never asked that question, it's because you've been playing the game as an owner. And you said, well, of course, he gave it to me so that I could consume it. He gave it to me so I could use it on myself. He gave it to me so my house could be bigger and my car could be shinier. You're owning, you're not managing and you're missing north. Second thing, second thing that managers do. Managers understand that when God gives me more, it's not necessarily to increase my standard of living, it's to increase my standard of giving. Let me just say this again, because this is, this is revolutionary. When God, when you get that raise, when, when, when all of a sudden you get the unexpectedly large income tax back, Chances are God's not giving you more 
to raise your standard of living. He's giving you more to raise your standard of giving. Picture this. Picture that you're a parent, and, it, and it's your third grade son's first day of school. And so uh, you're all excited about that. You're hoping it goes well for him. Uh, you pack him a little lunch. You drive him down to the school. You drop him off, say, have a good day. School day gets over. You go to pick him back up. Gets in the car. You say, Timmy, how did it go? How was, the, how was your first day, third grade? He goes, oh, it was great. Met some new friends. Had a great time at recess. And you say, well, you know, hey, how was your lunch? And he goes, uh, I guess it was all right. And you go, no, 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 Timmy, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm more than willing to change it up or pack something different if you didn't really like what I made for you. I'm okay with that. Just tell me what you wanted and what you didn't want, and, and I'll do that. And he goes, so, you know, what parts did you like? And he goes, you know, I, I don't really know. And you go, wait, wait, Timmy, how do you not know which parts of your lunch you liked and which parts you didn't? And he tells you this story. When I got to lunch today, one of the new boys, Jeff, was sitting across the table. And as he began to unpack his lunch, he didn't have very much. And I knew, I knew that Jeff's family was pretty poor. And so I shared part of my lunch with Jeff. If you're a parent in that moment, what are you thinking? I am the best parent ever. If my kid never does anything else right, I win. Right? So let me ask you a question. Tomorrow, when you pack Timmy's lunch, what are you going to do? Pack more. You have a heavenly father. You are his sons and daughters. Why is it so hard for you and I to believe that if we were generous managers, if we saw eternal need and you and I responded to it, why do you and I believe so deeply in our heart that that would result in you and I not having enough? You're telling me that your heavenly father wouldn't do for you what you would do for your own son? That he wouldn't give you more so that you would be okay too? Why is this so easy to see as a parent and so hard for you and I to see as children? Third principle. If your plate is too small, if you sit there and you go, Lynn, look, I'm, I'm probably that one talent guy. I'm probably the one bag of gold guy. And uh, man, I, my plate's just too small. Is it possible? Is it possible that the reason your plate is too small is because the last time God trusted you, you used it on yourself? He just said, okay, it's mine, and I've got to do it, and I've got to have it. And so God in that moment said, well, I can't trust you with more. 
Why did God give the five-talent person five talents? Why did God give the two-bag person two bags of gold? Why did God give the one-person, one-bag person one bag of gold? You don't think God already pretty well knew how this was going to turn out? So if your plate's too small, is it possible? Is it possible that the last time God gave you a trust… We didn't do so well with it. And you realize the most powerful thing you could do in this moment, the most powerful thing you could do is say, God, I'm going to take the one bag you've given me, and I'm going to be so faithful, so dependable with it, you're going to learn I'm a two-bag guy, a two-bag gal. Watch what I do and learn that you can trust me. Because, 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 you ready for this? When you and I get done… It all goes back in the box. And I don't care. I don't care how big a pile you acquire. I don't care how shiny the car is you drive. The board gets cleared off. And then you hand it back to God. And he's not going to ask how big was your pile. He's going to ask you and me, how did you play the game? Did you play like an owner or did you play like a manager? That's how you win. That's how you win. Here's one of my challenge. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For seven days till we come back in the room and we finish this conversation, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Dear God, what were you hoping I would do? with what you gave me and trusted me with. What, 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 when you gave it to me, what were you hoping I would do with it? It's the new north. It's the question of the manager. When you came in, we gave you a compass. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. And if you don't have one, you're going to, hopefully you're going to grab one on the way out. I'm going to challenge you to take this compass, stick it on your key ring for the next seven days. Very, very valuable compass. I think we got them from China. <laughs> High quality plastic. Chances are they're only going to last you the seven days. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Because, because, because. We were stewarding your money. You didn't want to waste it. So anyways, got your cheap ones. Um, so here's, here's what we're hoping. For seven days, if you'll put this on your key ring, and every time you see it, you're going to drop that prayer for seven days. Dear God, what were you hoping I would do with what you entrusted to me? just want to know, what were you hoping that this manager would do? It's my new north. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to push into your life a little bit. If you're willing to pray that prayer, if you're willing to put this on your keychain and for seven days you say, look, every time I say it, I'm going to pray that prayer, I'm going to let God speak to my heart, then I'm going to ask you just to stand up right where you're at and say, I'm making that commitment publicly. I'm going to, I'm going to put my life before God. I'm going to pray that prayer for seven days. Then you stand up. I'll pray that prayer. Okay, so here's what you need to hear me say. The standing up part, that's easy. Praying the prayer. That's life-changing. And I just want you to be ready. 
Because what if God speaks? Well, what if God begins to move in your heart? This will change us. This will move us from being owners to being managers. This is life-changing. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we're just going to say out loud, man, we, we've been doing this so wrong. We, we, we've had this so backwards. We've, we've lived as if the box was about us and that we owned everything in the box. And God, everything goes back in the box. And it's not about how much we acquired. It's, it's about how we played the game. Did we play as an owner? Did we play as a manager? And God, I'm just going to ask that as we make this commitment over the next seven days, that, that we pray over and over again and say, God, what was it you were hoping I would do with what you placed in my hands, with what you trusted me with? That God, you would speak, that you would establish in each of your children a new north, a new reference point for how we deal with our finances as managers and not owners. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.